welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. Hello, Stu. How the hell are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Lorraine. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Well, um, on this week's Conveyancing Matters chat, Stu, I thought it would be a nice idea. Well, that's a lie, actually. You thought it would be a good idea to uh, talk about the lenders because we had a really good chat and a really good reaction to our recent um, discussion about uh, you know what do conveyances do and it was very evident that um, coming from that you know lots of people you know perhaps weren't quite as clear about the relationship between conveyances and lenders as, as maybe they should be to be quite honest there'll be a lot of ex more experienced uh, property lawyers watching this who are um, so this week sort of to follow up on your idea Stu you know, the relationship between the conveyancer and the lender, some of the sort of key points that come out of that, because I think, um, you know, there's certainly been things going on in the last 12 months that lenders should probably be aware of in relation to their clients, and, and clearly they're not. So um, so where do you want to start then, Stu, with, uh, you know, a mortgage offer lands on your desk? So what does that mean? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, again, we go back to the, the previous videos we've done and, and the innuendo of what we do and so on and so forth. But really who really understands you know the nature of the mortgage offer and what it really is and you know it's our instruction to act on behalf of the bank and the bank becomes an equal client not a you know a, a, a lesser client than the actual client we're instructed in terms of who's buying but they're an equal client and they should be treated accordingly and that means of course we have to carry out their instructions not just the person that's buying the property yeah i mean i think the difficulty is that um a lot of people wouldn't see the lender as the client, which they very much are, as you say, because we don't send them a client care letter. They don't pay us any fees, certainly quite the contrary. Um, but we, you know, our duty is to act in the best interests of both the lender and the buyer borrower. Um, and they are indeed a client of the firm. But I think it's, you know, that's quite a significant misunderstanding right there, just because, you know, we don't treat them as we would a client. You know, we don't ID them. We don't do anything, do we? By ver but by virtue of the fact that that mortgage offer's landed, that's that's what they are. And I know okay. you've got views on conflicts because, I mean, the general conflict of interest premise, Stu, as you well know, but for the benefit of those who don't, um, is that the idea that one conveyancer, the same conveyancer, can act for the buyer, borrower, and the lender is based on the assumption and the understanding that the buyer and the lender want the same thing. They both want a property with a good and marketable title because if the buyer, when the buyer wants to sell, they can sell it. And if the lender has to repossess, they can sell it. And it's that sort of inherent commonality of interest that means there's no basic conflict. And I think as, par, as far as the legal work goes, and certainly, you know, over the last 20 years, um, I think the relationships moved on. But I think that central premise, as far as the legal work goes, is perfectly straightforward and justifiable. Yep. I think, and the point you've just made to me off camera, which I think is a brilliant one, you know, our our relationship with the lender and what we're as conveyancers now expected to do for the lenders has shifted massively in the last 10 years, I'd say. And that causes you a bit of a conflict concerns, Stu. Well, it does, because, you know, I think if maybe we go back, say, 10 years, you know, the information... What, like when you were, like, 17? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. 10 years ago, right, OK. If you think about it, um, you know, we didn't do as much due diligence 
on our client. There wasn't the, you know, the KYC, the client profiling to the extent that there now is. No. So now we have much more knowledge on the, the, the buyer that we're acting for. And like you've said, you know, it's not a case of, you know, um, where we look at the property and there's not a marketable title. So obviously we tell our client, we tell the bank, that's obvious. But it's where we act on behalf of the bank and the client. And we're expected to tell the bank about our client. And if there's anything that we perceive um, or we're in knowledge of that, you know, is in direct conflict of, of the bank's instructions. And that's where I have a problem. And, you know, dual representation is it not a conflict in its own right acting for both parties? Is it something in the future that is, you know, realistically something that can continue? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. And as I say, I think until probably about 10 years ago, inherently, there wasn't a particular problem. Um, but as you say, the amount of additional information we now gather about our buyer borrower, and again, the point you made off air and the point that people perhaps don't quite understand is that it's our duty as conveyancers to let the lenders know if there is a material change in the circumstances of the buyer borrower of which we are aware. Um, and as you say, we didn't used to do nearly as much sort of checking and due diligence. I mean, and frankly, I thought probably, you know, and, and I'm probably going to embarrass myself to you now more than I already you know, oh, ordinarily do. Oh, yeah, okay. ordinarily do. <laughs> I know. What a softer. Um, but I was, I used to think, you know, probably 15 years ago, I was quite ahead of the curve because I used to, well, I used to see pretty much all my clients face to face then. Um, but I, you know, on my checklist of things to talk about to a client on a purchase, I would ask my client directly is the balance of the purchase money coming from your own resources? And, and the fact that I even asked that at that interview, uh, you know, that frankly did put me ahead of a lot of other solicitors doing the job or a lot of other conveyances doing the job. If you take that and you now fast forward to where we are now uh, with our AML responsibilities and the, you know, source of funds and source of wealth and all of that, you know, they are incomparably different. But, um, but I used to think that was enough. And that hopefully I think at that point probably was. And it was certainly yeah. doing a lot more than a lot of other people did. Whereas you think now the amount of information we get, Stu, I mean, it's quite extraordinary. And we're, we're going to come across information so much more frequently about our buyer borrower, which, you know, we need to be making the value judgment on as to whether or not that should be declared to the lender, which in many cases, of course, as we know, is going to result in the offer being withdrawn or at worst amended. This is, this is why, isn't it? You know, if you have a situation whereby by reporting something to the bank could lead to them withdrawing their offer from your equal client being the buyer, how is that not a conflict? Well, I think it is, but that's the point. And this is something else that other people have disagreed with me on. Who knew? Um, and I'd actually be very interested in your view on this, Stu, because as you well know, as everybody watching knows, if we find out something on a file, so assume it's not a material thing as far as the, you know, the buyer, the buyer borrower's own circumstances are concerned, but we do find out something, whether it's, you know, dodgy enviro result, you know, dodgy covenant, you know, yep. no, section 38 agreement or whatever. So many conveyances I know will just automatically report that to the lender as a matter of course, which of course we're under duty to do. I will always email my buyer borrower first and say, this is an issue. We need to report it to your lender. 
And by the way, and I also now go that extra step and point out, I've got a standard email for it even now, yep. um, and, and point out to the client, buyer, client, that th there will probably be certain consequences to me making this report. One, there's invariably going to be delay. Two, it could lead the lender to amend the offer or three at worst it could lead, lead the lender to withdraw the offer and does the client consent to me giving that information it's one of those kind of flip scenarios isn't it everybody understands the importance of reporting the issue to the bank there's no sort of um, getting away from that everybody understands that but that equally is the detriment potentially of our buyer client yeah. so again we have this unweighted scenario where we're almost favouring one party over another or one client over another. Um, and therefore, you're exactly correct, correct in that you should have authority from the buyer to report the issue to the bank. Mm -hmm. If you don't get that authority, you should be, unfortunately, you know, withdrawing your uh, yeah. your offer to act for them. So, it's I mean, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a complete Hobson's choice in the sense yeah. that if the buyer says, well, I don't authorise it, you know, what's the consequence of that? Uh, and you then say, well, yeah. all I'm, you know, metaphorically, you know, I put the mortgage offer back in lender, lender exchange's envelope and send it back and yeah. tell them I can't act and not, but not give any information. Because of course that brings our duty of confidentiality into the, into the, it is the difficulty, right well. isn't it? And this is why I keep going back to, you know, dual representation. Is it something we can continue with as an industry? I, I honestly don't think it is. Um, you know, now we are in possession of so much information mm -hmm. on our client. So, for example, you know, bank statements. There's reams of bank statements that give us reams of information in terms of what the clients are spending, so on and so forth. So we all know about our AML and our money laundering and blah, 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 blah. But as a sub-issue, we have information on our client. Um, and this is what worries me. You know, all of a sudden, um, you could have a bank statement pop up that, or you're, you're going to get a new bank statement, sorry, because you're just about to complete and you've got some money coming on, on its way to you. And all of a sudden, you see there a credit from, I don't know, you know, XXX finance company. You know, the people look at that and what do they think? Well, you know, is that money being utilised for the purchase? needs to be reported um you know there's still a lot of people out there that i've spoken to that are unaware of the need to have the stamp duty factored in to the difference between the purchase price and the amount being borrowed that's got to be accounted for and not resulted to by way of further borrowing so i think as an industry we're all up to date at the moment on you know gifted deposits and reporting that to banks but there's a whole load more um, yeah, and the, the problem is it's always pushing the envelope of our responsibility because, I mean, I very, very much hate this idea that, you know, we'll get a whole, you know, six or 12 months worth of bank statements from Uncle Tom Cobbley and everybody else because there might be many things, but, you know, an accountant and a forensic accountant at that, you know, good at looking at bank statements, frankly, isn't one of them. You know, I don't have many skills and that definitely isn't on the list. <laughs> well, to, but to follow your logic through, Stu, if it were discovered, um, you know, after completion, when the bank is crawling through our file because they've sold a property at a loss, um, that we had bank statements that, as you say, demonstrated that, you know, you know, Chubby's Credit Co. Uh, uh, advanced some money. Well, would they be able to hang that on us and as well on us as well? Now, the mortgage market review two or three years ago, three or four years ago, whatever it was 
you know, that put greater responsibility on the lenders to do more comprehensive financial checks and to make sure people could afford their um, borrowing. And of course, you might remember, Stu, there was sort of, um, you know, stuff at the time in the in the press about, um, you know, your bank will be interested in how many takeaways you have. And, the, and that was the point of that, that mm. they were going to be pouring through the, um, they were going to be pouring through the statements. So um, it doesn't matter, though, does it? Let's be blunt. No, it won't. It doesn't won't matter. matter at all. Why, why doesn't it matter? Because what do we carry as an industry? Oh, let's think. The big exactly. eye. The big exactly. eye. We carry insurance, and that means we're the ones that w- they will come after. We're always um, whether, underwriting. Whether, whether internally they've made a mistake, whether internally they've missed something, it's irrelevant, isn't it? You know, they will be coming after us because we were aware of that material effect, uh, um, material fact that affected that offer. That's that client's potential credit rating and the ability for them to afford that that offer. Yeah, you know, no, I'm, such a fine line, it? you know. I mean, we spoke off air again. What happens if a client were to inform you that they've just um, been made redundant? Now, you would think that's fairly obvious that that is a material change to their circumstances. That be that should be reported to the bank. Um, but what happens if the client has changed jobs? Yeah. They would then be on a probation period. Okay, that is a material change to their yeah, service. Yeah, absolutely. And, I had, and, you know, I had a massive. I remember I had quite a to do with a client who who made that. You know, who who let. And of course, the problem is, and I say this particularly when I'm teaching support staff, Stu, because what you know, particularly our support staff, without whom none of us could really do our jobs properly. Um, but, and I always say to them, and it's a phrase I use: "You're on the front line." And clients are going to tell you stuff that they're not going to tell me. And they're certainly not going to be telling you, Stu. And, and our support staff and our, uh, you know, paralegals, our assistants, whatever we want to call them, you know, they're going to have a relationship with our clients that we're not. And clients will let things slip to our support staff. And, and, and do our staff, are they, and I hate to say it, but, and I suppose I would say it as a trainer, but are they aware enough? Are they well enough trained that, you know, somebody saying, or, you know, uh, I'm so, and this is exactly what happened to me. Oh, you know, my, you know, my wife starts a new job in two weeks time and they made, you know, um, and I said, well, hang on a minute, you know, did you declare that to your lender? And, and it was, I remember it was Santander. I even remember the seat I was sitting in and he was, he made such a fuss and, you know, and I said, well, look, you've got to go back to your broker because of course this is another thing. Um, and this is where maybe talking to another couple of brokers might be interesting because most of them, are, of course, are fantastic. But, you know, I've had some, I've certainly can remember, you know, a number of brokers who, you know, haven't, they've been a bit, la, 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 la. La, sorry, did you say something? La, 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 not wanting to know. Um, and I've gone back to the broker and said, well, you know, did you, were you aware of this? Did you declare it? And, um, and I'm not suggesting that anybody's not doing what they should, do, you know, doing what they shouldn't do. But, you know, they weren't that keen to know. Where's, where, do, where do we draw the line on this, though? What happens if, OK, your client presents a circumstance to you that, I don't know, let's just say um, we need to complete this by such and such because... I'm pregnant, okay. Um, or you're looking you know, good on it, though, Stu, mate. If you don't mind me saying, well, well Jesus, you know, this is the <laughs> lockdown kind of time. You know, I've honestly, I've <laughs> sat here for so long. Clearly, if I stood up, mate, you would honestly, you'd say, "When are the twins due?" To be <laughs> honest, you would, no doubt about it. But I have got the fat suit on today. So <laughs> I've got it on every day. You no, know you're in trouble. No, you're in trouble when the fat suit's getting tight. That's what I say. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because all these material, you know, um, 
circumstances that you get presented with, I need to complete because, you know, my partner ends her job or is going on maternity or, you know, whatever the scenario may well be, you know, we're going traveling or, I know there's so many circumstances that you could be presented with that, you know, where do you draw the line on this? Well, I, what I'll be interested to see, and again, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway, because uh, I'm nothing if not a know-all. Um, and I've definitely been banging on about this for quite a long time. And certainly the last, obviously the last 12 months. And, and if we look back, if we ever look back on these videos in our old age, Stu, when we've got nothing better to do in the old people's home, um, you know, we'll see the, 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 the themes and the things that we've mentioned on more than one occasion, because I was definitely suggesting to people, uh, to conveyances, you know, in the middle of last year, uh, just, you know, before you exchange, are you saying to your buyer clients, have you been put on furlough? furlough Are you yeah. aware of furlough? Are you aware of redundancy? And like, it's a terrible, terrible thing. We're hopefully sort of coming out of the, the you know, the, the worst of the mire, but it's going to take us quite a long time to get back up, you know, to get back up and running as an economy. And there are still, I think, a lot of jobs that are on life support that are going to be going. I think the high streets lost something like 17,500 shops, let alone jobs in the last yeah. 12 months. Um, and I was, I've been saying to firms, been saying to practitioners, you know, but in the stress of, of the circumstances they've been working under, has anybody been thinking to say to their clients just before the exchange, are you on furlough? Are you aware of furlough? Are you aware of redundancy before you exchange? Uh, because that's it's almost getting to the point you almost need as a firm, don't you? Like a, a, a glorified questionnaire that before yeah. you exchange, you send to the client, you know, have... Has this changed? Have you gone out and spent loads of money on buy now, pay later furniture? Have you done this? Have you done that? Yeah. Um, no. Are there any reasons, you know, why you suspect or you suspect that you may be made redundant in the, in the interim? In, you know, there's so many things you could do and it's, it's um, you know, blows your mind. And I, I think the important thing, though, as well, is for the non-lawyers that are listening to this um, or watching, it's actually point out maybe the implications of what happens if we don't report this to the lender so not only is there the potential of the lender incurring a loss that we could be liable for but it's not only that is it it's you know it's our sort of application to be on that bank's panel mm. um, and if we got taken off that panel the financial um you know clout that that you lose is so significant you know not being able to act for that bank for you know a, a period of time because of this um, could financially ruin firms. So it's not a case of sort of closing your eyes and closing your ears, and I didn't hear that. And, and hoping for the best. Um, because the, the, the actual, you know, ramifications of there being a problem are so huge. It's not just the, the immediate loss that we might be liable for. It's the, the ongoing scenario yeah. after. And I think, you know, um, I think the more, if the more people thought about it, you know, I think the more people would come round to the view that um, separate representation for banks and borrowers, you know, we, we're kind of going back to that. I mean, the weird thing is that many of the conclusions you and I over the months are drawing about the markets, Stu, are actually really, you know, where the market was probably 25 years ago, um, you know, before conveyances actually just allowed themselves to be walked over by Uncle Tom Cobley and everybody else. 
and you know we rabbit on about all the stuff every every week about all the ridiculous things we have to deal with um but and separate representation of borrowers and lenders is 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 the classic example we hardly ever used to do that um and then it sort of became allowed because as i say if you're just looking purely at matters of title you know there isn't an inherent conflict uh, but the, the conflict has come because of the number of other responsibilities yeah. and information that we've gathered, been expected to gather as a matter of course, over the years. But of course, the reason that um, separate representation is such a, an issue is because the borrower doesn't want to pay twice because the banks won't be paying for the, the, a firm to, to act for them. So every time a bank is separately represented, um, they... Um, you know, they're not going to pay the fee. They're just going to expect the borrower to pay two lots of legal fees. But then, I mean, probably fodder for a, a completely separate session, completely separate chats to you, because we've got, even with separate representation, we've gone from the situation where the bank's re representative would, would essentially do the job again and check the, what we're doing on behalf of the borrower all they do now is send an enormous great big uh, undertaking list and tick box and say please undertake to us that you've done all this and you think well get on your bike you, you know that's actually not what i'm thinking at all but it's the only thing that i can repeat on you know on camera <laughs> um that's not representation that's still passing the blooming responsibility back to my firm's Bloody it still still sure. feels, doesn't it, that the, the, the lender's not treated as the equal client, doesn't it, when it's like no. that? You know, I'll just give an undertaking, that'll be okay. Send on all the gump that you've... Bosh, bosh, bosh. I amend them all the time and, you know, cross things out and, you know, no, I'm not going to take on this responsibility. But then that's because I understand what an undertaking is. And that's also another issue and maybe another session. But, um, but I do think this... Um, you know this this now as you say you know real conflict between i think it's become a much bigger a much bigger entity than it's ever been i mean even you know with the modern communication channels there are now receiving the mortgage offer i mean it's i just think it's absolutely ludicrous that we are instructed to act on behalf of the bank and yet we're the last person to get the offer you know the clients are always getting the offer from the broker it's always downloaded first by them you have these numerous offers. Half of them don't have your details on. Um, you're, you know, the world's asking you whether you can, you know, proceed on this offer and that offer and this offer. Um, you know, the old days, it used to be, can you proceed on a fax mortgage offer? And I always used to say that there's no such thing. It's not the fact that it's fax that's the problem. It's the offer. That's yeah. not our offer. You're giving us the client's offer or the broker's offer, not the legal offer addressed to me. Um, and whenever I give mortgage training, the very first thing I say is when you look at that mortgage offer, the first thing you want to do is make sure it's addressed to us, because that is our instruction to act on behalf of the bank. If it's not addressed to us, A, it could be addressed to another law firm that you're not aware of. Um, it might be, you know, as far as we're concerned, it's not even agreed. You know, it's not our instruction. Um, until you get that, you can't even start. Yeah, and again, I think it, we sort of, as ever, probably, Stu, we kind of always end up kind of, you know, ending where we started, really, in a way. But it's, again, it's that fundamental fundamental lack of understanding that the lender is a client to whom duties are owed. 
uh, and I think you're absolutely right that you know they're not equal duties anymore um, uh, and and it is you know it is really really a Hobson's choice but I do think uh, you know I think the furlough question and the redundancy question and the job at risk question is a really important one for conveyances e even in the coming sort of 12 months I would say um, because I suspect we're going to hear increasingly over the next couple of years. I really hope we don't. I hope if the market sort of, you know, as all the predictions go, uh, you know, is going to remain buoyant. I hope for everybody's sake it does. But I think if there's a dip in the market at any point, that's when all of the pressure now is going to start those, you know, are going to start crawling out the woodwork. And, and lenders are going to find that, um, you know, a mortgage offers issued now when the prices are probably higher than, perhaps a, you know a normal market might have had them that's when borrowers are going to have difficulties and if they've lost their job uh, the lend those lenders are going to be repossessing and they're going to be asking for those files and they're going to the first thing they're going to say is did you know mrs smith was about to be made redundant well you might have guessed she was made redundant look she's been you know she's been receiving furlough money because you yeah. can even you, you know you can tell a furlough pa furlough payment into somebody's bank account yeah yeah because um, it, it shows as such if you're not so careful. difficult now, isn't it? And you know the the volume of information that we need to hold on behalf of that client um, is such that you know we're, I think we're so focused on looking at that info in terms of money and, and its origin and, and and whatnot that um, sometimes we could be missing the bigger picture, and that's the worry. It is. It always is, Stu. Well, I hope that people found that interesting um, and possibly a, a little bit scary. Uh, and maybe makes some people, you know, think a bit more deeply about what they're up to. Um, so um, we will chat again, Certainly I guess. Will. Certainly will. All right, Stu, take care. See you soon. Yep. Take care. Have a good day. See you. Bye. bye.